This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron, joined as always by one of my good friends, Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, Aaron. It's me. I'm Nate. I'm here on the show. Uh, your This Is This Week uh, felt a little, it's a little basier than usual. I don't know. It wasn't maybe high energy, but I felt like it had a strong foundation. Um, I had, uh, I was hearing some criticisms about last week's This Is. Um, Were you? I, I was. I was texted about it, IRL. Um, Whoa. But they, they did understand that you'd had a, a busy week with work, so uh, they were sympathetic. Um, but I, th- I think I think this week was a, an interesting change up on the formula. It was very very solid, um, and I enjoyed it. I was listening to uh, to some hardcore today, so maybe I maybe I growled it a little. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just that there's a uh, red, red storm you know. rising. Nate. <laughs> Maybe it's that, uh, which everyone will understand. Um, yeah, no, it wasn't growly. It was, it was uh, a little okay. bassy, just a good, strong foundation. Well, I am all about that bass, folks. That, you know. I've been saying that about you. I'm glad it's catching on. <laughs> uh, joined by another man who uh, loves the bass. You can tell by his mustache. It's Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Aaron Mike Spears. Um yeah, I actually try play bass until I realize I have no musical inclinations whatsoever <laughs> other than singing. That was a I, I could play only. Wait, 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 wait. You are also good at uh, MIDI mouth sounds. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that. Debatable. 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 <laughs> debatable. Yeah, no, let's be fair. Let's be fair. Let me be frank here. Uh, it's the only song I ever learned how to play on bass is Only in Dreams by Weezer. Because my girlfriend at the time loved Weezer, and I thought that was a way to keep Classic. a teen, keep a teenage relationship going when you really should realize otherwise. <laughs> uh, how are you hey, doing? No, no better time to learn how to play <laughs> Weezer songs on bass. That's it. That's it. Uh, yes, I am rocking what originally I called a real fucking, uh, and I just dropped an f bomb in my first minute on this show today because we're doing great. Uh, a real. Uh, Holy Roman Empire house haulers are in uh, Prince Elector mustache because I have messed up my beard while shaving. Now I've realized it's more Ted Lasso. I I think I'm going to stick with it. I mean, I, I, I trust you all. I, I really trust your appraisals as two of my very good friends. Should I keep this mustache or not? Well, I think I said in the DM uh, what the mustache reminds me of. So I guess that's your own judgment call to make. Uh, if you think that uh, Napoleon Dynamite's older brother Kip is a good look, uh, although now that you mention it, there is a certain uh, late period Rivers Cuomo uh, energy about it, uh, which again is I, I don't know if that's the best energy to be channeling in 2020, uh, but it's a choice for sure. I think it's good, Mike. Uh, this man was mentioned on the podcast last week, so I hate to do it twice in a week, but it's uh, better than Stefan Hex mustache. I don't think there's any doubt about that. 
I'll have to look this up. I'm gonna look up this right now during your intro. Mike, Mike was or Nate was considering. I think. <laughs> but so that's, a, that's a running joke on uh, on Block Party about Stefan's mustache. Um, okay, did I not say Stefan Heck when I we last discussed him, and then I was accused of mispronouncing his name? You said Stefan as if he were oh, Urkel's okay. uh, <laughs> other other. That's a one hundred percent valid pronunciation of Stefan. <laughs> You, you, I mean, you know what? I'll take that comparison. I like that a lot more than Rivers Cuomo or Kip from Napoleon Dynamite. It was fine, Nate. I mean, having uh, presumably only read his name on on uh, Twitter, right. it just outed you as like never having listened to any of his audio. But I don't. I don't have time to be listening to audio. I have um, <laughs> nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, how's the uh, How's the PS Five going, Nate? I feel like I need an update on that. Um, going quite well, I think. Um, pretty much, um, uh, rushed through the two Spider-Man games that were out with it. Uh, have not had any of the hardware issues that some people are reporting that they're encountering. So lucky in that regard. Um, did yeah. You, did you buy the cyberpunk game that I've heard uh, about? Well, so I was gifted the cyberpunk game last Christmas, uh, which of course meant that I received it about a week ago. Uh, probably put in, I don't know, 90 minutes on it and then haven't touched it since and have not really felt compelled to go back and and, and get into it. And I've probably bought two games since I last played it um, because I have a problem. Um, but yeah, not, you know, they're going to be patching it for the next four to five years. So uh, I, I, my time is better spent on other things, I think. I'm getting the uh, the racing wheel for Christmas, folks. So Ooh. I'm upping my racing game. So I have to ask, how do you feel about EA then buying Codemasters? That's very controversial in the racing game industry. I don't know anything about it, but it seems good to me, right? Like uh, EA mm-hmm. makes cool sports game. Mm-hmm. EA has, yeah. I think, I've been shouted down. I've been EA down. <laughs> EA was at one point like regularly winning like the worst corporation in America awards. Right. Oh, no. um, they've since, I think, uh, done a lot to try and. Uh, rehabilitate their image did they I or did, actually uh, did they or did everyone else in the video game industry just get progressively worse so it kind of over, people overlook the uh, whole madden wife scandal yeah that, i mean everybody else did get worse ea did stop doing a lot of their more pernicious things like remember online passes where every game you buy would also have to buy like a 12 dollar online pass for it uh but i can't actually other than madden i guess in fifa like I think EA just kind of disappeared, and that kind of took them all out out of a lot of the discourse. Did they just really get into like ultimate team and gotcha boxes and gotcha draws? So I hope that if you're trying to have a good car next year, Aaron, like you have to be okay. You'll be pulling a whole lot of Williamses before you even think about pulling a McLaren. Well, I love gotcha, so I think uh, that's going to be good for me. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about well, last SB after you spend yeah. about four hundred dollars on gotcha pools on feet on F one twenty twenty two. Trying to get the George Russell Mercedes. I mean, that's um, what I want. I want his helmet. His helmet was sick. Yeah. So I think I'm going to pro. I think the wheel is going to push me into. Here's my understanding: is that you're driving racing uh, video game fans kind of think the F one games are not that good. You got to get into like the more serious. Racing. I racing, I racing. Yeah, so I think I'm just going to find my way into those games, probably. I'm a I'm a Forza Horizon guy, as far as okay. racing goes. Okay, which is which is fun. That's a very fun, pretty game. 
you know, also has uh, tons of gacha elements. Uh, it actually reaches like a saturation point where like they're doing three gacha spins at once. Uh, and all of a sudden you have like 30 cars in your garage. And I go, I, I just, there's too much here for me to approach. I'm done with this now. Sure. I understand. Uh, I just want to feel like I'm driving something very fast uh, on tight corners. That's pretty much it. Gran Turismo. You ever play one of those? Sure. Yeah. 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 There's I one. They're making one of those. I've never, th that's like the boring where you just go in a circle, right? That's what you're into. No, I'm not into going in a circle. Oh, oh, okay. That's what Gran Turismo is though, right? Uh, they have lots of different tracks. Road courses. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They have lots of different courses. Uh, it's, so I got the, uh, the Gran Turismo. There's like a sport version, I think. And I, I got that last Christmas, but it's like, it's not that fun on the, on the controller. So I'm hoping that when I hook up the, the wheel, it's going to be a little more fun. We'll see. Yeah, that's that's when you know um, a game and a genre is especially good when you start having to buy additional <laughs> peripherals to really enjoy it. That's how I feel a lot about a lot of rhythm games, really, which is like, I enjoy rhythm games. Uh, but just playing them on a PlayStation controller is like not very interesting. It's like, this is just any other game now. Uh, but give me a fake guitar or some bullshit, and now we're talking. My, uh, I have a friend who has the Oculus Rift. I think that's the name of the, the VR yeah. thing. And uh, he was helping me do a house project and he, he brought it over. And uh, so the first thing I, well, the first thing I played was the Beat Saber, which I think we all talked about that at some point. I'm not sure if that was on the show, but this time he had a ping pong game. Hmm. And it's like, you put on the thing, you know, it just looks like you're at a ping pong table. Uh, but then you got to like swing the little, the little gimmick and uh, it's, it's wild. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think VR is good, actually. Oh. Yeah, uh, Tetris Take Effect. That. Tetris Effect, incre incredible game. Like, mm -hmm. I, I did not think that Tetris and VR would be that tight, but Tetris Effect rules. So if you end up going the Oculus way, I think Tetris Effect now is out not just on PlayStation. So they don't need a PSVR anymore. So I, I've enjoyed it quite a bit, but uh, our friend Ogan... I, I cannot shake him telling me the best way to play VR is to uh, use your friends and not, not actually uh, buy it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's wrong because the, so because VR is like a burgeoning or new medium, they are not making like particularly deep games for it. They're making games where it's like, Oh, beat saber, you run this for five, six minutes and then you hand off the headset to somebody else. They have a go at it. So that's kind of, uh, symptomatic of the kinds of games they make for it. Theoretically, if you know the technology advances and there's a bunch of consumer buy-in, then they can make like, oh, you're going to play a 40-hour RPG entirely in VR, and then it's like, oh, you might need to have your own for that. That'd be pretty sick. Uh, I think I could enjoy that. Even he he tells me you can also you can watch like Netflix. Uh, yeah, Netflix? you can. They do like big big fake theater mode in it. Um, I don't. I know, like the the PlayStation headset is not a particularly high resolution, so it's like the the screen is actually a lower resolution than your just normal television screen is. Um, I don't know about the resolutions for like an Oculus Rift, but you know, if you've got, yeah, again, I don't think they do 4K in each eye. So, like, if you have a, a relatively newer TV, then you're <laughs> you're having the illusion of watching on a big screen, but actually watching on fewer pixels. It's a pretty immersive experience, the Oculus. Uh, I've enjoyed it pretty much. So, but I probably won't buy it. I mean, let's come on. I have I bought a PS4 like two years ago. 
Yeah. No, I just have to wait for the technology to advance. So, you know, when we're in like nursing homes, we can just like be totally vegetative <laughs> in the matrix. Haven't we yeah. been saying that about VR since it was even introduced in like the eighties was we have to wait for it to get more immersive. Like I don't. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's gotten a lot better. I mean, it didn't used to be a, a, a home consumer product whatsoever. It used to be like, Oh, you can try this if you go to Epcot. <laughs> and that's or GameWorks. It. GameWorks. What Remember? was like the, um, it was like red and black. This was like when I was in Virtual Boy. Virtual Boy. Wow, I yeah. jumped on that. I had I was a Virtual like, Boy. I was thinking why. of Julie jokes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody, somebody brought uh, a Virtual Boy to school once when I was in like I don't know seventh grade or something, and I remember playing a tennis game on it, and I was like, "This yep. is the sickest shit that's ever been invented." That was Mario Tennis. They uh, total, total like abject failure of a system. Um, <laughs> pretty cool as like a novelty nostalgia item. And like honestly made some good games for it that like will never be reproduced because they were very specific to that hardware. But yeah, Mario Tennis, uh, Tolero Boxer, the Wario game was pretty neat. All right. Well, if you want to know more about uh, the games we're playing, follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Light the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, ya. Subscribe to the podcast, please. Just, you know, whatever podcast app you use, type in Everything Elite and subscribe. Uh, give us a rating and review, five-star rating, if you use the Apple Podcasts app. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to go over to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe for uh, bonus content. All right, let's get right into the show from us. And I know we have some divergent opinions, so I'm excited to get into those. Uh, of course, we'll start out with Elite or Delete. Nate, start us off. Uh, what was your Elite pick from the show? Kind of hard. I was just going down our our rundown here, our recap, and really trying to pick a specific thing that stood out above the rest. I kind of enjoyed this show. I think my real takeaway from this show is like even a down or even a flat formulaic or just like your replacement level AEW show is still very watchable and like does not particularly insult your intelligence too many times. Um, and so that kind of made me just come away from this with an overall positive reaction. I guess the, the one thing I'll point to on the show that I was like, oh, that's really good. The Kenny Omega and Don Callis pairing is like really good, really entertaining. Uh, Don Callis, I think, is the perfect thing to augment Kenny Omega's character to make him like a genuine heel and not be the cool heel that everybody wanted him to be. It's like, oh, we want the cleaner. We want the Bullet Club guy. Uh, and Don Callis, I think, just has the perfect amount of like sleaziness and carniness to him, uh, but also... I think can kind of translate or uh, uh, help people that don't quite get Kenny Omega in general, kind of translate his appeal to that audience. I think he kind of grounds Kenny Omega in like, we're doing a pro wrestling act here. This is a pro wrestling angle. I'm going to cut a pro wrestling promo now. And with that framing device, I'm going to hand it over to this real fucking weirdo over here, Kenny Omega, who's like, you know, the biggest star in American wrestling. Uh, and now with that, with that table set, I think, Kenny is doing a better job of getting this heel character across. Uh, so yeah, I think that's, I think that's what I want to shout out is, is basically this Kenny Omega Don Callis angle. Um, I, I would maybe also note like, Hey, they're, they're actually doing a match on impact. Like after that first impact appearance, 
where basically nothing happened. Uh, it seems like everybody tuned out because they realized, oh, n- you know, nothing of importance is really happening here. He's, they're just going to cut promos. Uh, but then they went and shot like a big angle on Impact and are doing a big match. Uh, but I can't really give them credit for that because there was uh, no mention of it on this show. Yeah, um, I guess it's going to be our first uh, conflict in the show. I think that Kenny Omega with Don Callis works mostly. I think that it does provide that edge, and it it's a pivot from his previous heel character that's needed that is much more coded heel. But that said, I think that they need to kind of take uh, 25% off this act. Like, just take it down a little bit, just because I love Callus. Callus is like a sleazy pornographer look. Like, he looks like an absolute dirtbag, and that's great. And it makes sense that, like, to really code Kenny as a heel and a contemptible heel, not a cool heel, you really need some real dirtbag with him. But during the main event, I would say that I like the idea of Don Callis interjecting occasionally on the microphone, but having Kenny with a microphone in that act just completely was felt unnecessary, and I feel like if they tamped that down just a little bit, this act would get, get come across a lot better because it just got to a point last night in a match that I felt like was perfect in execution at exactly what it needed to do, but the act was just a little bit like... Now we've seen how far you can go with it. Let's reel it in a little bit. Yeah, you, you, you can't do that every week, for sure. Didn't didn't bother me this week, but certainly you can't have Callus and Kenny out there cutting promos during the match every week. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, if, if that means pulling it back a little bit next time, yeah, no, no disagreement. I think uh, this has all made me think back on the Omega Moxley match and the angle there. And I still am, am stuck with... Uh, Nate, you've had this take that you were surprised at how few ideas they had in the match. And I still, I think you're dead on about that. But I wasn't really in love with the angle at the end of that match and how it all played out. I wasn't in love with, you know, Tony Khan, you know, obviously uh, talking about that he wasn't happy with what happened, but he's not really, you know, using any consequences or any action to do anything about that. And I still am not crazy about that. But when I look back on the whole story, it's really gelled together for me in a way that has made me appreciate it more than more than most, maybe more than any story they've done in the company. It's like you because it plays off of everything that's ever happened with Kenny Omega. It's like, okay, Kenny Omega is the biggest non-WWE wrestling star in the world in New Japan, right? He's uh, the seven star Kenny Omega. He has these big epic pro wrestling matches. He comes to AEW that kind of uh, fades away where he's not really doing that. So then they're like, okay, we've got to heat Kenny back up. We're making him that guy again. You know, he's going to have this big introduction. He's going to kind of tease being the cleaner and we're going to show that he's a serious wrestler again. Right. And all the discourse was, Oh, you can heat Kenny up in, you know, three weeks and he's that that guy again and then they inverted it immediately they immediately made him not that guy he's not going to be doing well i mean he probably is going to be doing the big epic matches but that's not the point uh, of the character at this point right it's like completely against what we're supposed to expect out of kenny omega and i just love it i think this is whatever you think about his new japan run this is the peak to me of kenny omega as a capital P, capital W, pro wrestler. He's just doing pro wrestling 
And it turns out he's really fucking good at it. So I'm really enjoying this character. Yeah, and I do like that there are those threads that you can trace back to what he's doing now to like every other era of his career. Obviously came up in Canada with Callus, so that connection makes perfect sense. This heel turn to the cleaner came immediately after his breakup with his tag partner, Adam Page, which is the same way he turned to the cleaner last time with Kota Ibushi. Like, he's very good about those broad themes and like bringing them to a table in a way that makes it seem meaningful if you're willing to do, you know, a little bit of headcanon about it. Yeah, it's good. That's my take. And uh, Callus is good. All right, Mike, uh, your elite pick for this week. Yeah. So looking at the run sheet, I'm going to save the one that everyone expects for the, re- the listener one. And we can react then for that. But, uh, you know, this was a uh, difficult episode of the show. I feel like, I feel like that this was a somewhat stronger episode than the weaker ones at the tail end of 2019. There was, even with some stuff that did not land with me, there was still a good deal of stuff that did. But the, the my big takeaway from this show was they are really like showing top flight two guys who I believe are in 21 and 19. And they're platforming them in a way, and they are giving them the opportunity, and with the exception of something that we might get into later post-match, I think they have really just shown up and have proven that they were like whatever you can consider a star of the independent scene in 2020, they were that. And I think it's been very impressive how they performed, especially like with the pressure that they now have, basically wrestling their way into a contract, and then they're put into this match that was kind of a mess, but they were the the big takeaway I had from that match were that top flight were stars. And then now next week we have Jericho versus MJF coming out of it. And it's kind of, it, I tell you right to say it, it, it's kind of rewarding to have, to like see people get these opportunities with full faith in AEW in a way that you don't necessarily see in all other promotions but in the same way that they came off like absolute stars and it, and they pretty much within one night have become instant players in the attacking division that probably really needs like some young growth like this. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is what you were alluding to, but um, the post-match, they did, an, they did a promo on Chris Jericho and MJF, and I, that was maybe the most important thing to me. Again, I'm the guy who like, you know, uh, if I can find a reason not to watch the wrestling, I'll do it. Um, but they were like good on the mic, composed, and that's like pretty difficult to do when you're uh, that age. It, you know, if you're speaking on a microphone in front of your homeroom classroom, let alone uh, you know on TNT in front of however many people, you know, less than a million, but more than seven hundred thousand. Um, so that impressed me. You know, having a good tag match with the Young Bucks, like I could do that. I'm not worried about that. Uh, but them having that composure to go out there and be in that spot with Chris Jericho and then go cut a promo on Chris Jericho was, was pretty impressive to me. Yes, I agree. When I saw the promo, I was like, oh, these guys are like, this is for real. These guys really can be uh, big stars pretty quickly if they want to be because they already know how to how to cut a little bit of a promo. So, yep, they're impressive. Uh, oh, it's me. It's my turn. I didn't really love this show. I agree. Nate, that it's very watchable, even when it's not my favorite. I think it's just other than last week, I think this show is just really well paced. 
every week. They like pretty much keep it moving. So even if it's kind of got stuff that you don't necessarily want to see, uh, they keep giving you new stuff. To Well, how about this? And it never like, it's not like watching a WWE show where it's just like the production of the show is just beating you over the head constantly. It's just like an exhausting thing to watch. AEW is pretty easy on you energy wise. Um, so, but that said, there wasn't a ton on this show uh, that I loved, but the the team name, the good, the bad, the hungry is uh, up there. Something I enjoyed. The little interplay between them uh, was a lot of fun. I, I worry about like what's going on with Adam Page. Uh, we were talking about this in the discord about how he was kind of, you know, looked like he was the next big, next big guy uh, right before the pandemic hit. And now he is uh, decidedly not that. So, you know, that's that's a concern. But this is more fun than like the sad, drunk uh, emo cowboy that we had for a bit. So I enjoyed this. I don't I don't not really worried about Adam Page anymore. He's gotten hot multiple times over promotions. So I, I feel confident that they can do it again. And I, I just think you kind of can't make somebody a next big guy without fans there anymore. Like, I, I think you just, we just have to get back to, you know, late. I'm not even going to put time on it. Whenever there's full crowds and arenas again, that's when you can actually make somebody, like permanently make somebody over, like really get somebody over. Before that, you're just kind of guessing. It's what's working on the television, I feel like. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about Paige. Um, yeah, good team name. Funny. John Silver is genuinely funny. I think, though, about waiting for crowds, though, Nate. I don't – we've seen what they've tried to do, wait for crowds before, and it's killed things dead. Like, you can point to the Young Bucks versus FTR thing that felt like that they were stalling for a little bit, stalling for a little bit, and it just kind of ended up spinning wheels. The whole elite versus inner circle thing kind of – petered out towards the end before having an explosive final match. So you kind of have to just commit to it. And we've seen other promotions who've tried to either like dumb things down for COVID crowds or just not take chances. And then we've also seen promotions that are just like, we're going to go forward with our promotion given this kind of thing. I mean, we saw that last week with AAA pretty much doing the exact same thing. I don't think there's an argument really to be made that you should stall whatever you should with Hangman Page. I just don't think they have anything for Hangman Page right now, and that's why the whole Dark Order thing is happening right now. Well, the the story to get Hangman Page over on the top level is him and Omega. And I think th- them going to that match once and doing it in the first match on the show and not giving away the big blow-away match that th- they'll do at some point is exactly what they should be doing at that point. Every... Every story cannot be a lot of a lot of this time on the podcast. Your guys' criticisms are, oh, after he does that, what's next for him? It's like you can't always have stories that are constantly elevating everybody and pushing them to that next level. Like that, the growth is impossible. It's just not the you know it's impossible to do in uh, real life because um, of like the conservation of energy or whatever. But well, you have um, to grow it every day. So, like, you have to have other stories for people to do when they're downcycled or when they're, you know, waiting for, for another piece to fall into place until they can do their next big featured story. Like Adam page being catered to uh, by the dark order is like a perfect story for where he's at right now. Like it, you, you've got a, you know, a guy approaching the top echelon of the card who can pal around with John silver. Who's a guy 
on the rise, coming from the very bottom of the card and rapidly moving up. And that's just a perfect way to put shine on both those guys, get them to show both their talents um, and, you know, continue to put on entertaining segments. So like people still have a favorable idea of Adam Page, even though he's not, you know, knocking on the main event door. So, yeah, I, th- I, I think they have time as long as they can continue to come up with good stories like that. Um, better, better than, you know, trying to make Drew McIntyre in a fanless WrestleMania or trying to make evil at all. Like you have to wait for the circumstances to be right. You can't force the circumstances to be what you want them to be. Listener Max Diffuse pick pack in every conceivable way. He says, I'm sure. Yeah, buddy. Mike agrees. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> what we hey, hey, they brought back pack and they had him do something. That was novel. Yeah. Pack. Yeah. Pack might be the smartest person on the roster. Wait, you know? but did the did the balance of power shift again? I'm confused about that part. Uh, no, that was last week. Last yeah. week the balance of power shifted. Well, but Pack, but Pack wasn't there last week. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. That's tough. That's tough. That's tough. Well, I did like that they at least uh, paid off Eddie Kingston saying Pack is not going to be here, and then he was immediately. So <laughs> I like that when a heel says something's not going to happen and it does happen. That makes me happy. Uh, I even I didn't expect it to pay off that quickly though. I was like, oh, that's no. cute. He'll like come back next week or whatever. But no, there he was. Yeah, and the uh, main event angle setting up the uh, title match against Phoenix. Him being the smartest person saying, yeah, I can't make power, but I did tell Tony Khan, hey, Phoenix never was beaten by Kenny Omega, and I'll I'll deal with you later. First, my buddy has the first claim. He is the smartest person on the show. It feels like it's good. I mean, we didn't really talk about the main event angle, and I guess we will maybe later, but uh, it was good. That's all. We'll talk about it later. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about what was bad. Now, honestly, I didn't love the show, but when I started going through here trying to pick out like the really bad things, there weren't very many really bad things. It was just kind of a a their show, which, um, you know, as I saw some people discussing today, it's like, well, that's fine because they can't all be big, huge shows. Uh, you need somewhere to to pop from, so it's okay for a weekly show to sometimes just uh, not be a hundred percent great. So, Nate, what was something that you uh, didn't really like from the show? Um, so something I've brought up is uh, I don't I don't have a term for it really. I think maybe Meltzer might call it like quality control, where you have somebody who's booking the whole show, so they know that if something is happening in segment day, then you can't also do that same thing in segment C. Um, and I think even, I think the young bucks acknowledge this in an interview that it's like, Oh, you know, we haven't, you know, booked whole promotion before. So, you know, we're working out these working relationships, working out these working relationships with the other vice presidents and, you know, trying to put together a show. Uh, and sometimes there are hiccups. We're like, Oh yeah, no, we did the same finish in the first match that we did in the third match. And I, I kind of felt like, that happened a little bit in this show. We had uh, the boombox finish with the acclaimed uh, was basically the same thing as the baseball bat finish with Jericho. And you also had the same finish with Matt Hardy taking the pin in their match. And then MJF taking the pin in the inner circle match. You know, I guess you can differentiate those because Hager willingly gave it up to him or whatever, but uh, yeah, that just kind of the, you just kind of get a little bit of deja vu and you know, that kind of makes everything feel a little bit less important angle inflation, you know, going to do an angle and an attack after every segment. Um, 
just kind of kind of nice maybe to have a pat show or a show that's just there to be like oh yeah we can pretend this is a real sporting event from time to time too yeah and that's what i talked about last week was that they've been really reliant on these kind of finishes as of late and you look at the show and you take the no dq match out of the equation because there is no way to cheat in a no dq match i guess unless you say they're still rope breaks but then that match is dumb but three out of the five matches had some sort of shenanigans afoot with the finish. And this could have been, as you said, Nate, a real kind of palate cleanser episode where it's just like reestablishing norms. And the only norm you reestablished are, boy, you could just tell someone, hey, I want to win the match, not you. And people will let you do that. You, you, you could just say, my pen, please. And that could happen. Or you could use weapons and get away with it because it makes the referees look like they're not paying attention. So I, I think you're absolutely right about it. And I think that's something that kind of contributed to the overall malaise that I think comes out of the show when over half of your matches have some sort of shenanigans in the finish. Yeah, everybody knows I agree. I mean, they they do some angles on the show where the explicit thing they say is that Tony Khan is watching the show. And then they do other things where it's like, well, fuck, Tony. Like, watch the show, buddy. And... Uh, do something, you know, where we have to believe that nobody saw what happened, essentially. And I know some people come back to that and they say, well, the idea is the ref's decision is final. And that's fine. But there's no reason if whoever, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to think of somebody who won, on, who won on a fuck finish this week. Inner circle. Okay, so inner circle wins. So next week, why can't they book something where they have to, like, do something worse? You know, yeah. they have to wrestle somebody else. And there's going to be this thing that's going to stop you from doing something shitty. You know, just that kind of continuity. Now, it wouldn't be as big a deal, and I wouldn't complain about this, if it was like once every few months, like something like this happened. But we're talking about three times on this one show. Yeah, yeah. like they held off so long to have the first outright disqualification in this promotion. And that made it into a big thing, the fact that Pac was willing to give up one fall in the Iron Man match against Omega so that he could do that. But that there's like no reason why when we know that like AB, as you said, Tony Khan's watching the show and that the referees are characters in this promotion that couldn't be like, hey, Tony Khan talked to uh, Bryce Rimsberg and he said, watch out for this happened. This happened in the finish here. I want you to keep an eye on it. And that that roots it more in realism and it's not outside the realm of possibility. It doesn't break the framework of wrestling. All right, Mike, what's your pick, bud? What are we, what are we deleting? Yeah. A lot of choices here. Um, I don't think the acclaimed act works as a main roster thing. I love them on Dark. I, they're one of my more enjoying things about it. I think as a tag team, Anthony Bounds and Max Caster are great together, and they're a and like having a heel team like that up and coming is really important. But it does feel like that there's a significant difference to how the act comes off on dynamite versus how it comes off on dark. And I think that the whole intro, the whole rapping segment and the whole thing of Kazarian just all together, just kind of just does not feel like a, I don't want to say a, it does not feel like a main roster act. Cause it is a main roster act, but it just does not feel like it comes across. Well, I'll put it that way. And it's one of those things that, 
now their first match on Dynamite, you had a rap battle between Max Caster and Frankie Kazarian, and it's just like, ugh, okay. Whereas on Dark, it was like, oh, you're coming out making fun of these scrubs that then you promptly beat in three minutes. And it just doesn't, it didn't come across as well as one would hope. Uh, yeah, it's good, actually. Um, I think this is also kind of dependent. Here's the thing. If this was in a full arena with fans, like they're, how there used to be fans, all those punchlines would have gotten huge pops. Like, he had two to three pretty good punchlines in that promo that he cut, and then Kazarian had two pretty good punchlines going back at him. All of those would have been hugely over with the crowd. Um, you know, I know the content of them is maybe not ideal. I know, you know, the uh, you're making... I don't know. You're, you're verging on problematic subject matter. I suppose I, I, you know, one of the biggest pops that I remember in this company was when Dustin Rhodes, uh, forcibly kissed the uncrowned Miss America, Catalina Hager. Um, and I think this is kind of in that same ballpark. I think if you're in, you know, wherever the fuck Pikeville, uh, in an AEW arena, Hey, hey uh, come on. Now. Really? <laughs> Pikeville. Um, and you have him come out and hit those punchlines, and then Kazarian come back and hit those punchlines right back at him. I think all that gets, frankly, hugely over. But you can't constantly say in front of a crowd, in front of a crowd. There's no honest realization that we're going to be back to full crowds before fall of next year, though. Like, you have to adapt to what you're doing here, and you can't constantly say, oh, that would have worked in front of a crowd. Yeah. That's not the reality we live in. No, but, you know, I, I, I think to say that it yeah you're right well you know i just i don't know i can't divorce the the fact that we live in a very weird context right now from my experience of watching the show when i'm watching the show i don't go oh that didn't get over very big because there was no crowd reaction i go you know what that would have gotten really big over in a in a normal crowd so it, it affects the way i watch the show um I, like honestly my critique would be the match was not super exciting but no it wasn't yeah great. these are these are these are Two young guys who are in their television debut. This is more where I would expect to see an act of this experience level versus top flight who are, you know, ahead of the curve, I think. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm willing to give them more time. Um, and I, as long as you can write the clever punchlines, then there's a clear route to getting over for them, I think. Uh, yeah, I guess our, I mean, our big difference, Nate, is I just don't give a shit about if it gets over in front of a crowd. It's like, I still just think it's bad. If the crowd likes it, that just proves that they're dumb, not that it's good. Uh, and that's just how I feel about uh, things in general. Like, I'm willing to, if we're watching in front of crowds, I'm willing to say, like, oh, yeah, this is over. And I think you're right, because uh, I do think this is a, I have this, I have this tweet draft. I think I'm just going to do it as a take now Ooh, instead boy. of posting Ooh. it. As a tweet. This is the tweet. Uh Tony Khan's vision doesn't speak to a large number of modern wrestling fans because he watched ECW and traded tapes. It's because his primary cultural touchstone is South Park. That's and the tweet. That's the fucking tweet. And it's like, I think that's true. It's like AEW fans are largely uh, South Park viewers. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, I do think that would have gotten over. Yeah. In front yeah. of it. A- I think, and- you're, I think you're pretty, I think it's pretty correct. Yeah. <laughs> and so... I'm willing, like, I'm happy to do both things where I say, this is over. People love this shit. And then also say, I think this sucks. 
You know, yeah. like I don't mind having those two holding those two views at the same time. I thought this was like, okay, it kind of irritated me because Max Caster comes out and does his thing. And I'm like, oh, good. They've like, they've put this beat. It's like, sounds better. This beat that they've worked on, like yeah. they've worked on the sound. It sounded like maybe they had him run this by somebody first. Like it thought it sounded more well thought out, you know, than some of his previous ones have, or maybe he just got more confident, but I was like, okay, I don't really love this gimmick, but I thought he did like the best job that he'd done so far with it. But then the Kazarian thing, it was bad. It was like <laughs> very cringeworthy. It was, uh, it was just thing. bad, dude. I mean, it's not, it's not like, good like you wouldn't really listen to that for leisure right but like, and, and again let's take it to pikeville <laughs> and imagine imagine kazarian doing that in front of a packed crowd in pikeville and at the end he says rap is crap oh my god he'd be okay. the biggest star on the roster look if this leads to master p coming in and the no limit soldiers uh and they run that angle back then i'm fine with it but i don't i don't think there's any there's not an avenue to making like Kazarian a cool character. He's just never going to be that. No. So leaning into what he is uh, and having him do like an angry dad, of white guy rap is like kind of making the best use of the tool you have there. And like, I, I mean, he's, I don't know. I think he's probably a pretty good ideas guy. He might've come up with those pun signs himself. I don't, you know, it doesn't. Oh, he definitely came, came up with this himself. Yeah, and those would have gotten huge reactions. So, yeah, I, I, I understand what you mean. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to like say, oh yeah, I'm not one of these people. Dave Meltzer on the show. Oh yeah, well, Kazarian came out and outwrapped him. No, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, that's not even what he's supposed to be doing. But as the babyface coming back against the heel, the brash, rapping upstart heel team, like. That's like the perfect role for the angry dad Kazarian. So I will say that uh, listener Chelsea agreed with me. She heard the delete was wrestlers rapping on TV. I think maybe she's right that it's just maybe nobody should be rapping. I don't know. It, it kind of worked for like the last star the WWE ever made. It yeah, kinda, it kinda was, yeah, I don't. Do you think that wrestling fans the, who grew up and still just want to watch South Park all the time have they changed significantly? No, I no. I've already made that take. I agree with that. Yeah. Right. So yeah, you know, getting getting people over is is good actually. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I I like to be objective mostly because it's uh it's it's the intellectually easiest way to do it and if it works it works and I think that it would work. Uh all right, I'm I'm going to my delete pick is just I don't uh, a lot of a lot of misogyny on this particular <laughs> episode of AEW. I would like to delete the misogyny um yeah th that was the thing about top flight that i was like not super hot on at the yeah end. well that's like everybody like probably like four acts cut a promo that said something about like bitches or like compared their uh, opponent to a woman and you know what nate those also would have gotten big reactions <laughs> from the crowd well uh, yes but, but here look i i can i can do a i can do a cheat here which is yeah, no, it, it's not ideal to be saying bitch in every promo because it's bitch inflation and every bitch means less than the last one. Well, I also agree That's with why that. you need to cut down on the misogyny because then the misogyny you do do is more effective. I, I do agree with that. Like it does. I'm not one of those people that's like uh, no one should ever 
use like that sort of insult like i think it can work in the in the right way but it's like there was it felt like it was going overboard and then max caster's like <laughs> rap promo on the young bucks that was like okay i mean he's very close to just doing like a trump promo on uh on the young he's done he's done manlet and cuck two I weeks f- ago. i feel like we've taken cuck back as a <laughs> i feel like that's kind of been sanitized of its more yeah all right i don't know maybe that's just like because the dirt bag left also says it a lot i guess um but yeah it did feel on this show like oh i I tweeted it like a lot of lot of foul language on this show (laughs) if i was watching with my you know 11 year old darby fan kid i'd be like oh i don't know about this one well especially i mean it is a promotion and mike will maybe talk about this at some point of like they've been going and doing well in that uh female 12 to 34 uh demo and it's like well probably not great to like have all the wrestlers uh talking about little girls having their periods on yeah (laughs) you had that you had the whole like incest comment they were making about the young bucks photo like that one that one's good (laughs) but but (laughs) the incest joke can stay (laughs) yeah incest is not incest jokes are not problematic sorry mike but it's something that it's they're they're given a lot of latitude by Turner in comparison to WCW, and they they they've already chose to drop shit a lot. And there was like a weird censor tonight. Did you last night? Did you notice like that they like censored something that I guess like they're allowed to say shit period, but not shit head. Like I guess like that was the thing because because I heard shit on on at least the YouTube TV stream, but then they censored it. But uh. They, they tried to censor Tony Schiavone when he said, kiss my ass. They like had yeah. like a laser on that. I have to say that Turner, I, I'm glad that Turner's standards and practices still exist. And it's just weird about that kind of thing. But it's just <laughs> something that like, it's, I, I look at like some of that stuff as just like lazy in some ways. And I feel like that in an era where you were, that they try to emulate, they weren't using any of that language. Or if they did, like they use like, oh, you're nothing but a dog or something like that. Or like they they, they found ways like cha- challenge masculinity without using such gendered insults. And I feel like that there's a way to do this more cleverly and being engaging across all uh, people. Yeah, uh, I I think yeah, it, it hit it hit a saturation point on this episode. I think for sure it does. And it, like genuinely, I was I made a joke about how often they say bitch, but like. You do kind of like it does ring a little bit like ooh Roman Reigns said bitch how scandalous right like at least at least the acclaimed raps was like you know they they were again not super woke but at least there was a construct where there was a punchline to them and they like you know had some misdirection and had some sort of setup and payoff for them instead of just being like I'm going to say bitch and that's going to mean my promo is good yeah so I'm with you on the laziness like the rock yeah In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voice of wrestling podcast network the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Yeah. Uh, well, as someone said, the worst or the the most cutting part of the promo was that when he mentioned hair plugs, they cut to Nick Jackson. There's <laughs> <laughs> someone in our Discord. I apologize for not remembering who it was. All right. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the hair plugs line was good. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, ratings time. AEW big drop in ratings down from 995 to 806, but they stuck at third in the demo. So yeah, they did pretty well among. There's just not as many people watching cable. Uh, 0.32 down from 0.45. NXT got a little boost. They went from 659 to 766. 34th in the demo with a 0.19. Yeah. Um, interesting kind of ratings. I think everyone was expecting a little bit of a dip. You had the post winner is coming boost last week. And it was interesting to see how much it would tail off. Kind of too early to see to say if it's if that was just a spike and that's just what the TV landscape is, is that you can build up to a big event and then afterwards you will have another strong week to see the follow-up and then things will recede back to normal because we've been talking about 0.32s and in that range for AEW since October. Uh, the two shows ahead of them, again, the challenge and and the returning foe, Real Housewives of Orange County. 
So that's interesting. You, you brought up the idea of female viewership becoming such like a big facet of it. It's one of the more erratic sub-demographics they have. So just to follow up on the point you said, AB, uh, just looking over, I'm going to take it a week past Thanksgiving. So November the 18th, the uh, female 12 to 34 0.29 Thanksgiving was a 0.7 because it was Thanksgiving. Next week for winter is coming 0.19, the follow-up 0.22, and then last night 0.12. So that's really fluctuating. It's not necessarily a stable number, whereas you can say like men 18 to 49 is pretty stable. And it's just kind of interesting to see like this was a it, – it, they were not hurt really as much in the demo and against the rest of the – the rest of the night on TV, but it is something that you look towards younger demographics, and it was a pretty stiff drop. And it'll be interesting to see next week with the NBA how that kind of plays out. But I'm kind of like Joe Lanza. I feel like the big tell really is going to be the December 30th episode to see how things really are, and especially since that's going to be built up as a big event to see this thesis of big TV events being the big draw at this point is how they should go forward. Yeah, but my my big thing, the big thing I want uh, to have as my takeaway is the quality of this week's show has basically no impact on the rating that's my take yeah it doesn't seem that way no you're right now if the idea is what was what was um advertised i mean yeah i'm sure that has some impact but if we look at the showbuzz daily chart there just there were fewer people watching cable other than your news watchers and those people are not flipping over to to watch wrestling if you look at the challenge eight hundred thirty nine thousand real housewives just over a million uh guys grocery games seven hundred fourteen thousand so where would it's not like you know and we haven't seen the the very fake uh quarter hour ratings that are actually made up and don't mean anything but my guess is we're not going to see that two million people turned on at the beginning and they're like wait this shit sucks and turned it off well so, I mean, they, they could have been watching the equalizer we know how much of a draw the equalizer is they certainly could have been. Um, and I do think there is like a small group of people who will flip over to AEW or to uh, NXT or to AEW, depending on what's going on. Right. But not enough to make up for the 190,000 people that they lost. Just fewer people were, were sitting around watching TV last night. Who knows why? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways to draw from this. I think that environmentally, you do look at the rest of the TV landscape and outside of your news watchers. There was a significant drop, and, you know, I thought that the challenge would be this much more stronger of a program to run up against it, but it doesn't seem to be that case. So maybe it's something that environmentally more people are turning off the TV, but maybe it is that as the challenge goes on, more people tune off from the challenge, and then more of the AEW viewers stick around. I, think, I mean, I don't have anything to support this, but I think it's probably hard to get somebody to watch the same fucking show every week. Like, there's just too much going on. Just, but I don't know. I can't prove it. I, I, I'm going to push back on that for a second because- Oh, the, yeah, do it. Look at the people who like watch, like it's syndicated, so it's harder to derive like a full rating. The people who watch like Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune five times a week. Like, yeah, but look. we're talking about years and years of building up that regular audience, right? I, I mean- like your people who watch WWE because they've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah, but it, it's something that, like, you do have the people that do watch the same thing. I mean, I know personally, like, I have family members that will just keep the TV on to TBS all day. Very funny because they want to – and they'll watch the same episode of Friends nonstop. 
because like that's what they do with their time and that's what they have on the background so i i don't think it's that hard to have consistent weekly viewers i think there might be more something more environmentally going on and then also i mean there there was a gosh darn snowstorm so i think uh i think you're both you're both kind of right people will watch their you know their habitual tv shows that they're comfortable with they'll watch the office 600 times over and over again on netflix uh, but when you have a bold and exciting and youthful and challenging show like AEW, it's hard to keep up that nerve to watch it week after week because they're just not brave enough. I, I think I think that's it. Also, like I'm guessing most people that aren't, you know, just uh, incorrigible wrestling watchers like us, like you just don't feel the need to watch every single fucking show. You know, it's like, ah, I'll check back in in a month and see what's going on. All right, well, let's talk about what else happened on the show. Uh, it kicked off with Private Party and Matt Hardy defeating the good, the bad, and the hungry. Hangman Page, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. Matt Hardy pinned Alex Reynolds. He tagged himself in after Private Party hit the gin and juice. So that's the uh, the way they're going uh, with that story. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense for the character that Matt Hardy's doing, where he's you know wanting all the praise for himself and wanting all the attention and all the respect for his storied career and stuff you know i get that i'm gonna be annoyed about the matt hartley character change and push until it stops basically because i just you know <laughs> it got off on the wrong foot for me because sammy guevara should have won that feud and now matt hardy's being pushed as a heel on the other side of the coin for some reason so that, that's yeah. just going to continue until further notice and it doesn't help that this uh hardy party act just uh, private party i it, it, it's evident watching this match and seeing like this, like this is just kind of there, and it's not very good, I would say. Especially like you could see some chemistry develop between Beaver Boys and uh, Adam Page, but was I the one who who like noticed there's like negative chemistry between Private Party and Matt Hardy and almost all of their interactions whatsoever? It just looks so awkward at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've said on this show a lot that you know Private Party just needs more reps; they just need to be able to go on tours elsewhere or whatever until they've had, you know, a hundred more matches than they have now or whatever it is. Um, so they'll benefit from that. You know, if I want to, if I want to argue on, if I want to play, what was it? What did I say? Tony's advocate. Was that like, if I'm Tony's advocate, then it actually makes sense that Matt Hardy and private party have no chemistry. Cause that's the story, but that's, uh, you know, uh, some, some doing some favors on behalf of the promotion. Alex Marvez is with the inner circle. Chris Jericho is not wearing a shirt. Uh, he asks MJF about the New York Times mentioning uh, the dinner debonair segment. Uh, he's they've made up a little award for for Max. Now, now we think AEW made that award, right? We don't think he actually got that from the New York Times. I mean, yes, because it only said oh, Maxwell yes. Jacob Friedman on it. Yeah, yeah, and, and it did definitely look like a piece of glass that was engraved the day of. <laughs> It did not yeah. look like it had any foresight whatsoever other than we should use this as a gimmick. Which, I do which rules, which rules, yeah, by the I, way. I love, love it as a gimmick. Would love if he can start hitting people with it without breaking it. Um, that would be, I mean, he still has the ring, so I guess that's sort of the ring's purpose. But at least one, he has to hit one person. Maybe when Jericho and MJF break up and finally have their, you know, uh, 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 explosion moment, then he can hit him with the award. Yeah, they're just doing like a MJF-Jericho uh conflict thing here where mjf says people online are saying he's better than jericho but mjf sees through that so yeah this, this well that's what cool. wesley morris said online in the new york times 
Okay, that is actually true. I mean, he half-assed buried Jericho while putting over MJF in that review, yes. in that note. I'll steal uh, a, a DM take from Nate here, which is just that like MJF has been much better since they've limited these segments to like a minute or two minutes. Yeah, no, I, I think the whole inner circle thing has been well-timed in, in terms of how it's progressing and that the segments don't wear out their welcome. Uh, this, 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 has nothing to do with the fact that MJF is now reviewing podcasts on his Twitter account. That's no, totally unrelated. Completely. Uh, Brandy and Cody are at their home decorating the Christmas tree. The doorbell rings and there's a small package on the doorstep. Uh, they open it up and it is Gucci baby shoes. Uh, and they are announcing that they're having a baby. They apparently have sent themselves a gift. <laughs> and a, I mean, a, a Gucci gift. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. That this is something though that the way that this is done in a way it always makes you wonder like, did they like see what happened when when like Moxley announced him and Renee's uh, child that there's like oh it's a one up like th- th- there's like the natural discourse oh, there. There is no question in my mind that's why this <laughs> why this occurred. Yeah yeah yeah. So you know it happened. It it was a minute on TV. Very fucking weird. The, just the just goofy with, baby shoes. Thing you, is so weird. And then the pan down to Pharaoh. Wearing like the baby protector oh, t-shirt. God. Oh God, uh, we we are barreling toward a fucking gender reveal segment. I yeah, that is yeah. What came to mind was okay if this was the announcement, how are they going to do the gender reveal? And hopefully they don't burn down Daily Place in the process. <laughs> well, I mean, fireworks at TIA Field, I guess, is the easy one. Uh, Keiko and friends out in a <laughs> whatever color of. Uh, outfits that'll be so I, I wanted i also wanted to shout out since we're talking about the gucci shoes uh cody's shoes but i'm not confident in my pronunciation because it's from the french i feel like americans have pretty much just said louboutins like i think that's how we say it as americans i don't think that's correct i think it's louboutin 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 yeah i mean i took french but you know names right names and stuff but i think he was wearing louboutins is the point Lou Battens. He's wearing what something. Like, I've never heard anybody say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We're well, both I mean, Southern here, and we haven't heard someone say, "Did you see them?" I, and that was Lou Battens. No, I say Gangrel, and I and I. It's Lou Batten. Lou Batten. I mean, I just yeah, which is how he pronounces it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the correct pronunciation. I feel like people Americans don't actually say that. No, I'm pretty certain that every person I've say heard talk about those shoes, they say Lou Batten. Well, they don't say it quite anyway. Just a little Louboutin. Well, I have great pronunciation, Louboutin. Louboutin. so I mean. Louboutins. He's wearing Louboutins. <laughs> Look, hey, Aaron, did you see that he's wearing them Louboutins over there? That's what they say in Pikeville, Nate. If you're going to keep making the Pikeville. No, there's no A in it. The reason I went to Pikeville was uh, you quote tweeted that that Kaz and Okada fun fact, and you were like, ah, Kaz kicking his ass from Pikeville to Sumo Hall or whatever, and then Pikeville got stuck Sambo in Sumo Hall, I think, wasn't it? Might have been. Yes, uh, that was wild to me to realize that Okada wrestled in Pikeville, Kentucky. <laughs> Very funny. Um, hopefully, hopefully doing the giant Baba Chops again. <laughs> I tried to tell that story to my, why? To my Japanese teacher? Uh, I you going to say wife. <laughs> no, she couldn't give a shit less. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, the, the point is maybe that your Japanese teacher didn't either. So, No, but she pretends like she does, right? So uh, you are paying her. That's true. That's exactly right. But she knew who Giant Baba was. She said something about 
Giant Baba. And I was like, oh, you've heard of Giant Baba. Let me tell you a Giant Baba. <laughs> yeah, uh, Giant Baba is like a huge cultural figure. Like, you're, yeah. a, you're, a, you're a nuisance, Aaron. Yeah. I'm a total nuisance. <laughs> yeah, nuisance. bud. That's all right. <laughs> uh, speaking of nuisances, Cody defeated Angelico next <laughs> on this show. Uh, I, what are we calling it? I've called it a springboard cutter, but that's really not. It's the Cody it really cutter. It's the Cody, it's cutter. the Cody cutter. Yeah. He calls okay. it the Co Cody cutter. It has he took a name. It, just nakedly took it from Will Osprey. Yeah. Yeah, but he does the little the little jump thing first. Yeah, that's anyway. what Osprey does. Yeah, it's a springboard uh, cutter. Yeah, the Cody cutter. Okay. Well, Mike's the one getting on me, so I'm not going to make fun of Nate's in, in, uh, pronunciation. I clearly said, the, <laughs> I said, I know how to pronounce it correctly. And here's why I'm trepidatious <laughs> about actually saying it here on the show. <laughs> because you thought the southerners wouldn't know how to pronounce it all right basically yeah, yeah. this is uh this is class warfare from nate from the, from the coastal elite. Yeah, it's geographic warfare <laughs> someone on the fourth coast thinking we don't know how to say things correctly down here we know how to say things uh <laughs> after the match <laughs> uh team task comes the out. they say congrats on being a daddy but we didn't get any congrats when we made you and darby our sons couple weeks ago uh now we're going to come down and put you on paternity leave which i thought was a good line and, yes. and well delivered from taz but the lights go out the snow hits the music drops and the 61 year old sting comes out with his baseball bat and runs off the whole of team taz no. They're gone. so you're misrepresenting this entirely yeah so, hobbs yeah that's the the entire redeeming part of this segment like Sting coming out and basically doing nothing. If you're a casual viewer who turned in for Sting, I'd be annoyed. I'd be like, well, what is Sting ever going to fucking do anything? Or he's just going to poke his head out here and then turn around and go home. The entire redeeming segment or part of the segment is that Will Hobbs did not back down from Sting. And in fact, tried to get in Sting's face and Team Taz held him back. That's like, I mean, what a great spot for Will fucking Hobbs to be in right now. Also, he's killing it on Sam Guevara vlog. Um, but like, I'm super invested now in what they're doing with Will Hobbs. Spoken like men who did not watch the entire Crow Sting run where he didn't do shit for 18 months and we loved it. Yeah, but they didn't advertise. Maybe they did. Oh, not, yeah, they I did. mean, maybe, you know, maybe Tony Schiavone would say at the top of the show, we think Sting is in the building, but they wouldn't advertise the show on socials for the week prior going, Sting will be there. I, th that's a good Tony Schiavone impression, Nate. I just wanted to make sure it was, that it was noticed. It was also, you did like the sting there the sting with, your, yeah. with your hands. Yeah, it was good. Great it's a visual. Great visual banter, media. guys. Uh, we didn't talk about Hook. Hook was there, and Hook is oh, awesome. Yeah. That's right. Hook was there. Hook uh, we also God. did say Sting made eye contact with Darby. Forever. And then, he, and then he winked at Cody. So it was very sexual. Maybe the most erotic no, episode it, of AEW. It, it, it's not sexual. He Remember, he's the Christian fun uncle. He gave him the side hug last week and said, see you later, kid. This time it's like, hey, I saw you later. Wink. And then, you know, it's perfectly fun. I mean. I think we're just learning that Aaron has puts a lot of importance on winks. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is more the eye contact. That was a long okay. period of eye contact. Oh, oh like, no. Him and Darby well, stared at each other for like a minute. They had to fucking make sure the camera, you know, established what was happening on both ends of things. So I understand you have Multiple to go, times. I'm going to stare at you and the camera catches it. And then we register that. And then we go to the other guy who's staring back at me. And then we go back to me to make sure that we're still making eye contact there. It's, I think that's just a necessity of direction. I just want to tell everyone who's either a co-host of this podcast or listening to this podcast. If you look me in the eye that long, we better kiss. That's all. I'm 
So, so, so for the last 103 weeks, we should have been kissing the entire time is what you're oh, saying. We're not in person, but yeah, sure. Why not? See, I, my camera is positioned so that when I'm looking at the screen, it doesn't look like I'm looking at anybody. So it's perfect for me. <laughs> I, I, I guess we have to make out, Aaron. I guess that's what you're saying. All right, well, you're going to have to shave the mustache. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> All right. Alex Marvez is with uh, our boy, the Drip King, Miro. Uh, we find out he's been fined $75,000 for his actions last week. 25000 for each person he put in the hospital. <laughs> that thought was very this, funny. This maybe should have been my elite, this segment. Yeah. Uh, he asked him what his problem with Orange Cassidy is, and Miro says, uh, Orange doesn't care. It's all about the numbers, and he doesn't care. It's all about your followers and your likes and your engagement, and Orange doesn't care about any of that. Uh, next week is the holidays. They're going to have a big announcement, which he teases for approximately 10 seconds. <laughs> He says, uh, but he's going to break the internet again by wrestling Sunny Kiss on Dark. Uh, he says, then on Dynamite, we're going to have the biggest wedding date announcement. Uh, so Marvin is put off a little bit by this. He's like, okay, but what about the people in the hospital? It's Christmas. And Miro says, bah humbug. It's my birthday. He and is that's so the end good. Of the segment. Uh, this is great. Great fucking 30 second promo or whatever it is. It was just, oh, I, I, I like the fact that, uh, Miro is obviously coded as someone who's just like a hothead who's probably on cocaine, and it adds a lot to it. Like the idea that he's fixating on social media numbers versus like wins and losses. He cares about engagement. He he would do real well if George Barrios. That's a shoot, baby. That, yeah, that's great. That's a shoot, but also a heel. Uh, it's good. Characteristic, so it's perfect for his character here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the the bah humbug was great, and then he hits you with the big fucking smile, and it's my birthday, and it's just a superstar <laughs> smile. What can you say about it? He's he's got this unique, you know, Balkan energy or whatever that he's bringing to it. Uh, he's just fantastic. I, I this was a joy. Maybe yeah, this maybe should have been my elite because he accomplished so much in these thirty seconds. I just want to say. Don't dig your heels in on Miro. That's all I'm saying. Oh. Eddie uh, Kingston comes out. We've been told. It's been, this is what's been advertised on socials. He's going to address his enemies. He starts out with his number one enemy, God. <laughs> this killed me. I thought about making that my elite. Just starting off your enemies list with uh, with God as number one. Very funny. Uh, his number two is Pac. So close to God. Uh, but Pac's home nursing his injuries. He's never coming back. Uh, and then Lance Archer was going to be number three, but Lance Archer comes out and attacks him. We get the Butcher and the Blade. We get Phoenix and Penta. Uh, and then, of course, Pac makes his return. And this uh, ultimately ends with Death Triangle and Lance Archer apparently forming an alliance. I think you're you're making an inference there, man. Uh, Pac and Lance Archer, they were mad at each other because both of them wanted to get the kill shot in on Eddie Kingston. Yeah, it's, it's an alliance of convenience, but right, right. like the Will Hobbs segment, having Pack go toe-to-toe with Lance Archer and just not back down and just being like, yeah, man, what the fuck's up? I'll fucking smash your head in or whatever. Just great Pack moment. I mean, yeah, the best. This, 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 this was a good show. I don't know what to tell you. It made me think of uh, that tweet that goes around about the guy who would like, the short guy who would like get into it with tall guys, and then when they would start to fight him, he'd be like, Oh, don't hurt me. It's it's my birthday. I'm just a little birthday boy. <laughs> Do you remember the bagel guy? Oh, yeah. The bagel, bagel guy. guy? Yeah. Bagel boss. Bagel boss. Bagel yeah, I boss, yeah. Uh, Pack rules. Archer rules. Did you all watch uh, Shot of Brandy this week? No. no. Okay, so it was supposed to be Fuego del Sol, 
He shows up for approximately 35 seconds, and then Lance Archer does a run-in. He beats up uh, Fuego Del Sol. He then proceeds to like start chugging like Jim Bean out of the bottle, tries to offer it to Brandy, who is just scared the entire time. And then the meal he wants to make is raw tuna fish and peanut butter with, G- with Jim Bean, and she did not have any of it. It was it was a great wow. four minutes, real superstar energy from Lance Archer. He rules. Pack rules. This was a they're great even doing They're even doing run-ins on the vlogs now. As they should. Bear. As they should. Uh, Dasha. Dasha. Um, I was leaving a big open lane here for you to do your fuego joke, Aaron. What's my fuego joke? Well, I think you said in a DM. Oh, do you think uh, Brandy and Cody's kid was conceived while he was wearing the fuego mask? I don't, I don't think that was me. I don't think that was my that joke. Was you? I don't think so. Fuck. Well, okay. <laughs> Shout out to whoever in the DM said that. Maybe Drew. It might have been Drew. That's, that sounds like a Drew joke. This has to be somebody who either listens to our Patreon or watches the vlogs. So that rules out some people. Yeah. Some, yeah. Okay. Anyway. It might have been in the Patreon or in the Discord, actually. Uh, okay. Dasha is backstage with Dustin Rhodes. She asks if he's thought about Dark Order's offer, which I thought he pretty, uh, pretty clearly, you know, turned down last week. He says, seven was a bad idea then. It's a bad idea now. Uh, you said I was the third most important Rhodes, but you're dead wrong. So I'm going to kick your asses one by one. He already kicked Ten's ass. Uh, Uno is next week. Inner Circle minus Wardlow. Wardlow apparently had a family issue, so was unable to be a part of this match. Uh, defeated the best friends, the Varsity Blondes, and top flight MJF pinned Griff Garrison after Hager hit him with kind of an F10. Yeah, JR, JR bit the uh, the edge comparison that I bit from somebody on last week's show. Uh, really just brutally bad F10. Uh, I, I guess this, we in our little pre-pro meeting, I was trying to think of what the big AEW discourse was. It was the JR thing. You know, he said... Oh, oh, his podcast, yeah. Yeah, everybody does the same spot where, you know, they're doing yeah. a big dive, and then Brandon Cutler got mad. And it was a political hit, obviously. Brandon Cutler yeah. got then deleted from this match. Uh, I, I mean, here's the thing. Brandon Cutler... Uh, a, a a bigger cause of AEW success. I feel comfortable saying that given uh, AEW was born out of BTE. Will be in this promotion long after Jim Ross is gone. feel pretty confident about saying that. And did. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, fucking stay out of Brandon Color's way, JR. How about, right. uh, how about you sit under the learning tree for a while and see what a guy who understands the contemporary wrestling business has to say. I want Brandon Cutler to tweet, wolves don't uh, concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. <laughs> <laughs> i mean Mel- Meltzer also uh did kind of own jr on on his show today uh just talking about oh yeah you know arn anderson used to hit people with ddts in every single match and never got a win with them so he's just wrong about these finishes and it was also like yeah you know i also probably wouldn't call out the super kick considering uh you know the executive vice presidents of the company and make that their feature spot and it's hugely over and works every time um yeah probably not a good criticism either uh, so yeah, just, just silliness from an old man. Yeah. He sucks shit. Uh, after the match was when the top flight Jericho MJF thing went down, which would set up a match for next week. Then we had Alex Marvez with Thunder Rosa. She says that Britt Baker is telling her she doesn't belong in AEW, but she's been wrestling all over the world. And Britt put her big nose in Rosa's match. Stiff shot, uh, from Rosa cost her the NWA title. That's why she's going to beat her ass. She starts to do a laugh that frankly was reminiscent of the uh, viral Kenneth Copeland laugh, I thought. 
and then Reba comes up to criticize it, uh, which leads to Britt attacking Rosa from behind. Tells her that she doesn't belong here. She's not welcome here. Britt puts her in kind of the lockjaw without the without the finale on it, uh, and they pour water over Rosa's face and, and fuck up her makeup. They could they could afford to more clearly enunciate that the way that Thunder Rosa is an outsider is that she's from a different promotion and not from this promotion and in this yeah. locker room. That that would that would help. Yeah, yeah. I, not crazy about you don't belong here. You're not welcome here. It, it's right. kind of yeah. I understand. It's kind of fine if it's like oh you're invading from another promotion. Yes, but may, that also maybe doesn't work so much when you're the heel and the invader is the baby face. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, it's a it's a pretty difficult needle to thread. Yeah, uh, Re- Rebel was MVP of this. She's just been on fire, and I've been preparing this take for a while. I'm ready to unleash it. Britt Baker got good because Rebel was added to the act. I like this take. I support I, it. I don't think the history back. I feel like the first segment where where Aaron admitted Britt Baker was good was just a stand-up promo with Tony Schiavone without Rebel involvement. But Rebel was already involved because they did the uh, stuff at the uh, dentist's office. Mm, I'd, have to, I'd have to check the tape, which I'm not going to do. Producer, so, producer can you check the tape? Right. Producer, can you check the tape, please? Oh, I'm not sure. Damn it. Right. <laughs> I was trying to do a funny like radio bit. Of, uh, let me go call the producer. What does the producer say here? And I realized, oh, fuck, I'm the producer. Damn it. Yeah, but like, I don't want to go too hard. It's kind of how I feel about the misogyny. It's like, I don't want to go too hard on this because I know that they're not trying to do a racist angle here. But it's like, just think about it for a few seconds before you put this on your TV. It's just kind of my thought. Like, yeah. I feel, I feel like you would think about it. It would occur to you in the moment of performing it. I feel like right. if I was Britt Baker, I'd be like, hmm, that doesn't, now that I'm sitting here rubbing this woman's face and telling her she doesn't belong, this doesn't feel super great. That's my yeah. So yeah. maybe just be like, this is our locker room and you're from somewhere else, another company, I mean. Right. Yeah, I well, don't know. Especially since like Brit should win the feud, right? So it also feels bad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the acclaimed defeated SCU. I, honestly, you could, you, Thunder Rosa could set it up in her promo too. I mean, she made a mention though. Oh, I do belong here in AEW. Like she said that. So that, again, I think the intent is that, but just say, you know, Oh, you know, the other women or the other, you know, uh, some of the other women are trying to say that, you know, I shouldn't be here cause this isn't my company or whatever. Just, yeah, just enunciate it, spell it out for the, for the dumbest among us. Yeah. They've been, we've been paying our dues here and working on dark and thunder Rosa just comes in and she gets a title shot. You know, that would easy yeah. enough to do. Uh, the acclaimed defeated SCU, as we talked about uh, Bowens pinned Daniels after caster hit him with the boom box uh, after the match, as we discussed caster called the young bucks girls and cucks uh, Dasha's with top flight asked why they went after Jericho and MJF. They said, because those guys are big stars. They want to make a name. And so they challenged them for a match next week, which we find out later. Uh, has been sanctioned. Then Ivelisse and Diamante. No, Big Swole and Sarita Deeb defeated Ivelisse and Diamante. Swole submitted Diamante with the Clearwater Cloverleaf. They spent the whole match putting over that she had been learning this move from Dean Malenko or perfecting it with Dean Malenko. And so uh, she she did it here. After the match, Nyla and Vicky attacked and Red Velvet came out and made the save with a chair. This is a really good looking cloverleaf, I thought. It was reminiscent yeah. of uh, 
when Tanahashi would do his cloverleaf and just be like all the way back, cranking people entirely on their neck and just like, it looks extremely vicious. And this was right in that wheelhouse. Yeah, it looks sick. This match was pretty good. Like, like this probably was my favorite match on the show other than the main event. Like up to the main event, this was the best match on the show. It's just funny that it's like Ivelisse and Diamante won that tag team tournament and then they haven't gotten shit for it, right? And then they get beaten here by a thrown together tag team. Like, hmm. uh, the best friends are outside. This was a bizarre. I also just who, who who the four women in that match and the fifth person that ran in was uh you know not ready for television as we kept hearing for so long. Oh I yeah, guess. they don't have the hands to be able to do multiple matches. No, then where where were all these women? Because yeah, entirely competent. The best friends were outside. Uh, Chuck said it's never going to be over between them and Santana Ortiz. But now they have to focus on Miro, and Trent says he's excited for the wedding. Great best friends energy here, just completely doing their own thing. And they had a new T-shirt they were they were selling. It was season. So I guess the best friends are gonna. You think they're gonna break up the wedding or the bachelor party? Because the Miro is supposed to be organizing the bachelor yeah. party. I think. Well, we need to see what Billy Mitchell's up to. We haven't seen Billy Mitchell since that one appearance. <laughs> right. would, lo- would love him to come back for the bachelor party. That'd be sick. Uh, I got to say, Miro has spent more time on this bachelor party than I spent on the bachelor party that I had to put together. So kudos to him, I guess. Well, we don't know that he's done anything for it. Yeah. True. Yeah. Other than taking to planning our early. Yeah. Uh, FTR comes out with Tully. They grab one of the headsets. And uh, Bald FTR just yells into this headset for about two minutes, clipping all along. It was good. Fantastic clipping. It was good, I guess, but it's just like, I fucking hated the sound of it. It just like drove me oh, insane. That, that was maybe the best part about it. Um, yeah, this is just less overthinking and all this, uh, uh, you know, stuff that they've been doing in these pre-tapes with FTR and trying to act out whatever skit on Tag Team Appreciation Night. This is just him yelling down the barrel of a microphone and feeling his feelings and being mad and wanting to fight somebody about a pro wrestling. That's way more in line with what they should be doing, I think, as characters. Oh, yeah. I didn't think that was bad. I just was like, man, this probably is not fun for the guys on commentary as they're like yelling into the headset. Or the person running the boards. I think clipping is a valid aesthetic choice for this kind of uh, promo. I, I, I mean, it fits the energy. It's fair. It's valid. By the way, they were yelling at Jurassic Express. Uh, so that's setting up a match for later. Uh, and then in the main event, Kenny Omega defeated Joey Janela. Um, started off with Callis trying to run Tony Schiavone off. Tony tells him to kiss his ass. So Callis gets a mic. And as we talked about earlier, just kind of does his own commentary over the match. Kenny, of course, won with the one wing and angel. Uh, pretty sick match, I thought. Yeah. After the match, Callis says, you know, all the haters we've had to listen to since the tournament have been silenced. There are no more unanswered questions. Beat. I Did you hear what I said, T? I said, there's no more unanswered <laughs> questions. And so Death Triangle comes out. Uh, Pac says they have unfinished business. He's not just here for himself. You never beat Phoenix. Callis uh, is like, wait a second. You're not an executive. You don't get to tell the world champion what to do. And Pac reminds him in like a... A very good pack promo, I thought. Uh, he says, that's where you're wrong. I spoke to Tony Khan. The match has already been sanctioned for December 30th. Uh, so we got Kenny Omega versus Phoenix. I mean, I think the, the angle after the fact is like purely functional, I feel like. But uh, because it 
makes perfect logical sense and sets up a really good match. Like you, you know, you can't find a thing to complain about it. Um, and this is exactly what I wanted Kenny Omega's first title defense to be uh, with Phoenix, where he can go out and have a blow away match. Uh, and there's not, you know, really an expectation that Phoenix will win, but it still legitimizes Phoenix in a way by having him be a challenger and be on Omega's level. Uh, and yeah, it makes perfect sense with the story that they're doing that Kenny feels uh, that people are disrespecting him or whatever because of his route through the tournament. And uh, he's still that. So he's going to go back through and, and prove it by beating all those guys again. So uh, yeah, that's a fucking great match for the end of the year. And the match they had with, with Janela was exactly what it needed to be. You had Kenny pretty much dominate. Janela got like one uh, hope thing in where he did a whoopee cushion off the top rope to the floor through a table, which looked like it sucked for all parties involved. And then Kenny murders him. Like it was perfect. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny's been having a rough go of it <laughs> between, <Yeah. laughs> between this, between that bumpy took and Laredo kid match. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really, really a great use, like getting the most out of Joey Janelli here, who, mm-hmm. They don't seem to want to really push, but you can still make a valid main event on your on your big television program. You'd be like, oh, it's, it's Joey Janela in a hardcore match. That's meaningful. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very well put together, uh, you know, closing stretch. Yeah. The, for as uneven as the show was, I feel like you have to say the last 20 minutes with the whole Kenny Omega thing and then going into the title match. And even, like, the entrance is a home run now. Like, it's so good how they've now made this like so clearly like it is like such like an egotistical just jackass thing to do and then the match is great and then the concluding angle is great like the for as shaky as the show was at points it ended very strong in my opinion yeah i think uh i i, I did think about changing my delete <clears throat> the entrance is good except justin roberts and the north carolina thing uh i think i think i don't think we've talked about it on the main show i think you guys talked about it on the patreon uh, but he just doesn't hit the North Carolina right at all. So nobody gets the joke. People people that I uh, – people here from Chicago that I know watched Michael Jordan play with the Bulls uh, and watched all those games don't get the joke because Justin Roberts, who is from Chicago, does not deliver it correctly. Like, actually, do- actually, I think they don't get the joke because Michael Jordan just really wasn't that big of a star. Like if you're gonna do if you're gonna if you're gonna make the reference, make the reference. Don't not do the reference. Don't um, mess up the, the reference for no reason. Don't, don't I did I, I did just see um something. I just saw <laughs> this is unrelated. Uh there's a there's a history of like K pop stars wearing, you know, basically bulls jerseys. Um in you know music videos and shit uh and there's also an anime that for their their big basketball anime they just straight up bit the bulls jersey and they use that for everything um and there was a, i just saw some other some other thing about anyway he's, he's a big star yes i was referring to the very dumb people who claim uh oh. people don't realize that my you know they act people will say like yeah michael jordan really well you know nowadays people really don't know who michael jordan not, is. yeah not not interested in, in, like, in giving those people any oxygen i but i i understand missing the reference because it's not delivered correctly the the, the emphasis is on the wrong syllable throughout That's, that yeah i mean it, the emphasis on multiple wrong syllables i think even no wow. you're absolutely right yeah and Aaron, i think i think maybe you should do the ring announcing now that you've got the the bass and the voice and the growl yeah. I think maybe you should. Okay, uh, I've always had bass in the voice. Now get, I'm not okay. gonna. I'm not gonna stand for that. Uh, what, are you gonna call me a cuck next, Nate? Uh, well, I I did want to talk to you off the air about your T levels because they're a little concerning <laughs> to me. But uh... 
That's fair. Yeah, no, no, no. You have to give us a dry run right now, AB. Uh, just pretend that uh, Polaris is playing right now and Michael Jordan's in the court. And wh- where do you play at? Uh, I will not do anything that highlights uh, the despicable North Carolina basketball team. So, so you're not coming to a bit. You're you're not playing in our space. It's also they do, they reference North Carolina at the begin at the at the end of his introduction when it's supposed right. to be the first line. <laughs> like it's just totally backwards. The and... guard from North Carolina. Like yeah. If, if somebody hands me the mic, I'm saying I'm doing it's, PD Pablo. Okay, North Carolina. Okay. It's, and at guard. Fuck. I fucked up. And from North. Okay. See, Mike said guard first. <laughs> from North Carolina. That's what you do. At guard, 6'6", Michael Jordan, is the call. And Justin Roberts goes, he's in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. He's won the title. He's got this other title. He's from North Carolina. Yeah, he sounds more like he's doing like a boxing introduction. Yeah. I hate it. It drives me insane. Um, I love those 10 minutes on that. (laughs) I love this angle. I, I mean, yes, it is just functional, but it's like perfect. It's exactly what they should have done. So... I don't need them to do anything more or bigger than this. It's it's perfect. Uh, but I mean, presumably he'll like fuck Fennec somehow, right? Like it's not he, they're not just going to have a blow away match that ends in a clean finish. I mean, they could. Uh, I think Kenny is, I think, uh, you know, supposed to be con- presented as a legitimate wrestler and competitor. And they don't seem to think Phoenix is on that level. So they could just have him beat him. Yeah, um, you know, the, interesting. The we do kind of wonder is there going to be some involvement of the good brothers here or elsewhere? Which would you know, Phoenix has his backup. Maybe Kenny needs to have you know, a, still have a numbers advantage in some way, so they could go either way with it, I guess. I, I don't know if you're doing that as a big blow away match on your big New Year's show, maybe you don't want to do another fuck finish. I was gonna say for a second, I don't know if this matters or not. I was going to say, you can do a big show. Your main event could be Death Triangle versus Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. But they're doing Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers on uh, Impact, right? So, I don't know. Maybe that takes the wind out of those sails a little bit. I kind of feel like that match is going to happen, and then it's going to go largely unnoticed because it was on Impact, and then people will still get super hyped to see the exact three same guys team (laughs) on AEW. I think that's just kind of how, how branding goes or something. Well, speaking of branding and Brandon, go over to patreon.com slash everything elite. If you want to support the show, uh, we would appreciate it. Uh, you know, three tiers, five bucks. The middle tier will get you all the audio we do, all the audio we've ever done. Uh, this week, our main weekly uh, bonus uh, podcast was Mike Spears uh, featuring our friend of the show, Brandon Howard Thurston from WrestleNomic. Yeah, this was really cool. It's something that I've been wanting to try to get done for a while. Brandon was incredibly gracious with his time, and I, I, I've, I got a lot out of the show, and I have heard that our listeners have really enjoyed it too. So go check it out. It was a good time. Brandon Thurston's a sweetie. We also do a weekly show called Light, where we preview Dynamite, review Dark, and Nate gives us all the sweet vlog content. We have a Discord uh, that you can join if you sign up for uh, the $5, $8 tiers, I believe. And uh, we also have awards voting going on. We did an awards show on the Patreon earlier this month. The voting goes through uh, the 23rd. So there's still basically uh, a little less than a week left to get your votes in. 
and then we'll do something uh, talking. About, actually, I think we're going to do that on the main show, right? We're going to yeah. give the winners on this show. Uh, but go sign up and vote. We'd appreciate it. Head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. All right. Next week on Dynamite, the Dynamite Holiday Bash, it will begin at 10 p.m. or immediately following Celtics Bucks. No indication whether there's also an inside the NBA right after that show. I'm not sure. I think so, they have a post game show that's inside the NBA that they'll be doing in a little bit. So if that's true, then you know this show's not going to start until 11 uh, or later. But here's what we have for the show: uh, tag title match, Young Bucks versus the acclaimed. Top Flight versus Jericho and MJF. Hikaru Shida will be in action. Evil Uno versus Dustin Rhodes. 510 and Colt Cabana versus Jurassic Express. And Pac versus The Butcher. Fun show. I'm looking forward to see how Top Flight is against MJF and uh, Jericho there. All right. Well, I think that's everything uh, for the show for this week. Anything else you guys want to hit on before we get out of here? I'm good. <laughs> yeah, we got to, uh, if you're going to ask this, I guess we should come up with something. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of, it makes for kind of a wet fart of an ending to the show here. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we, we had a lot of banter up top. Maybe we should start moving our uh, banter yeah. towards the end. Nate, mm. uh, Nate, your your favorite album of, of 2020. What was your favorite album? Uh, I mean, there was, there was only the one album, the album. <laughs> right? Sure, that's true. I, I listened to it again. I hadn't listened to it since it came out in full. What are you doing? I popped it back in today. Lost. You're if lost. I popped it back in. I mean, I loaded it up on Spotify, of course. <laughs> that is, uh, oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, uh, Blackpink album up there. Uh, Cyber just put out there. Greatest hits. Uh, I, got I haven't listened to that yet. Check that out because they are uh, uh, breaking up after they play the Budokan here. Uh, BTS album I liked more than I expected. I was never a big BTS guy, but that's got a couple jams right up top. New Avalanche's album uh, is is a little long in the tooth, and you know, like leans heavily on like some breakup motif or whatever. So it's not quite the poppy sound collage you're used to from them, but uh, quite a listen. Um, Kylie Minogue album from this year, pretty strong. It's all, you know, very heavily disco influenced. Get some Marauder vibes in there. Some Metallo disco. Some Metallo disco vibes for sure. Big fan of that. Um, I listened. I there was a new uh, Tycho album that came out this year. That was like one of the first ones that actually had uh, vocals on it. That was pretty solid. Uh, he finished his. Uh, he had like a a three art a three album arc a trilogy that he finished up and he launched new stuff and. Really cool. So if you like ambient uh, stuff, that was really solid. And then Yukika's only album, Soul Lady, was solid. But as Nate probably put really well, like the idea about City Pop is that it's very ephemeral. It's not supposed to like exist forever. And now Yukika, at least as that character, I guess, uh, she's kind of posting through it, but it seems like she's done. That's, those are probably like the the things I really listen to. Um, I have listened to a lot of the... Uh, Silver Jews album. Oh no, the guy from the Silver Jews, David Berman. He uh, he released an album last year that I only really deeply got into this year. Purple Mountains. That is really haunting and very depressing. It's a real 2020s album that was put out in 2019. So those were kind of the three things I really listened to this year. Uh, I'll I'll put out a whole list because I like I'm a list guy. But I'll just I'll tease a few of my favorite albums from the year. 
Uh, the Phoebe Bridgers album, Punisher, very good. Uh, of course, the Jason Isbell album, Reunions. Um, the Spanish Love Songs album, Brave Faces, everyone. One more. What one more will I mention? Hmm. Uh, the Sturgill Simpson Bluegrass album, Cutting Grass, Volume One. That was a good one. I did. Uh, so you check out my Twitter. I do. I do monthly playlists. I do one at the end of the year featuring songs solely from the previous year. So I've got one for 2020 up there. If you want to take a listen, my the one that I put together for January here is basically all Aaron Bentley music, or it's what I imagine is Aaron Bentley music. It's like stuff that I pretty much never listened to otherwise, but is in the realm of Americana. So you'll have to check that one out. I'll have to. I will. I usually I check think, out. Uh, I think I had a Sturgill. I either had a Sturgill Simpson song on there or I had one and I removed it. Uh, wow. wow. And it might have just been a Nirvana cover or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. He did um, on Sailor's Guide to Earth. He covered In Bloom. Okay. Yeah, it's probably probably what it was. I didn't really care for that uh, album when that came out. It was like it was different from his like earlier like more country stuff, mm-hmm. and so we went to see him in concert. And on that tour, he was playing like a mostly normal set, and then playing that whole album front to back at the end of the show. So I went watched the whole set until he started playing the new album, and then I was like, "Let's just wait for the Nirvana cover." And once he plays that, let's get out of here. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I will listen to that, Nate. Um, I Nate one year listened to my songs of the year and i think hated himself for it yeah it was, i really made a made an effort there but uh <laughs> you know i'm not a i'm not a tenacious person yeah i, I love to quit so yeah well i i'm putting out a, a 2020 playlist this year uh nate with a lot more variety than my usual year-end playlist so all right i hope you'll give it a try yeah and, uh, we'll see what happens it's gonna have uh at least one Blackpink song will make it, no doubt about it. I think the one I keep going back to is the ballad. You never know. That's just really, yeah. That's interesting. That's yeah. not. That's not going to make it. <laughs> it's got that really weird like record stop in the middle of it. Right? Oh like, yeah. Mm. I don't know what they were thinking on that. Anyway, uh, there's going to be an Everglow song on there too, in case you're wondering. Ooh, the did they do the Lottie Dottie one? Not Lottie Dottie. Lottie Dottie. Lottie Dottie. They like to party. Uh, no, they did Lottie Da for sure. Lottie Da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that'll probably be on there. Nice. There's you also an, jam. There's an Oh My Girl song on there right now. We'll see if it if it sticks, if it makes it. But There was uh, twice out of, I think, put on an album this year, but their EPs from earlier in the year were also better, I think, than the full-length album. All right, well. Yeah, that, that's kind of the typical K-pop output is they do like, oh, yeah, we're going to do two EPs and then a repackage with all new songs in addition uh, in, in this year. And then we're going to do the same thing next year. Whereas Blackpink's like, hey, yeah, we'll put out eight songs every three years. <laughs> and a Netflix doc, though. So you got to yeah. check that out. All right. Well, that's, I don't know, nine minutes on uh, our favorite music from 2020. So I hope that's a, a good uh, way for everyone uh, that we ended this podcast. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.